call the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. Okay, I'm about to talk to Scott Stringer. He was born here, educated here, lives here, families here, went to university here. He was an assemblyman here. He was a borough president here. He was New York City's controller here. He ran for mayor here. He married here. He had children here. You know, it's a pain in the ass. I know everything about you. Like me, he is a hardcore, we ain't going to live anywhere else ever, New Yorker. So, Scott, tell me, what does a controller do? Do you actually open our envelopes when we send our tax money to the city? Well, the job of controller is literally to keep everybody honest. The mayor, the city agencies, the pension fund. And for eight years, my job was to root out waste and fraud, to expose when the mayor was on the wrong path. And in my case with de Blasio, that was most of the time I was in office. (laughs) And it's an office that, you know, people don't even know to call it controller or controller, but it's a $100 million budget, 200 billion-dollar pension fund, protects the retirement security of uh, 700,000 people. So it's, it's, an, it's a pretty incredible responsibility. Look, I don't knock our politicians, even though some of them in Albany have been on parole. But why <laughs> is your thing, your career, why, why did you pick strictly New York politics? Well, I, I'm a kid, as, as you mentioned in the introduction, I'm a kids from New York City growing up in Washington Heights. And, you know, back in the 70s when the city was on the edge of bankruptcy, you know, a lot of us kids, you know, it was it was tough living. You know, there were 2,000 murders a year back then. Uh, it was a tough time to live. But I got lucky because my parents were involved in politics. My dad worked for A-Beam, former controller. My mom was a city council member when women didn't run for office. And my cousin, Bella Abzug, uh, really got me involved in politics. I rode my bike over to her headquarters one day when she was running for Congress. And Cindy, I never looked back. I, I, I just became part of my life from the age of 12 to 61 years old. And I have learned and experienced so much about this amazing city. It, it's it's to behold. Okay. Bella Abzug, anybody who's only 11 years old may not know who she was. Tell us about Bella Abzug. She was famous. She was very colorful. Are you in politics because of Bella Abzug? I think at the end of the day, that is what got me involved in politics. Uh, She was famous. She was a real advocate. You know, think about women didn't serve in Congress back then. Very few. Her campaign slogan was, This woman's place is in the House, the House of Representatives. And so she inspired me, as did my mom, when she ran as a single parent for the city council. And people would say to her all the time, why are you running city council? you got to take care of these kids. And she'd say, and then they would say, well, why aren't you home cooking dinner for your husband? She says, well, I don't have a husband, but if you can find (laughs) me one. you know. But that's how it was back then. And we've made great strides since, but as you know, Back then, it was, you know, if you're a man, we vote for you. If you're a woman, you stay home. And people like Bella and others and like yourself broke the mold. Okay. First off, what you were also a Manhattan Borough president. What the hell does a Manhattan Borough president ever do? He poses for pictures. What I mean, what do you do? 
Cindy, did you do? How, Cindy, what? You're talking about you're talking about the presidency of Manhattan. Yeah. Well, so what did you do with being president of Manhattan? So you're right. A lot of it is cutting ribbons and you get your own scissor and you cut ribbons. But when you dig deeper, a lot of the decisions you make as borough president impacts land use and zoning, what gets built, what doesn't get built. Uh, how do you navigate all the different community interests and all the different opinions in Manhattan? And as you know, living in Manhattan, uh, there's a whole lot of opinions. But look, when I was borough president, we had to expand our universities to attract talent from all over the world. But we also had to balance that with communities that didn't want to be overrun. So there was real substance to the work we did as borough president. We also put more diverse people on the boards, uh, the committee boards, because the borough presidents appoint all those committee boards. A lot of the activists that I appointed eight, nine, ten years ago today are leaders in their communities. Some have run for office. And it's a job that it's not like being the mayor, and it's not like the old days when the borough presidents literally ruled at the Board of Estimates. But it's a job that, with creativity, uh, I think you can make a tremendous difference, and it's going to be interesting to see how all these new borough presidents manage their offices. I think you guys just posed for pictures. I can't imagine what the hell else you ever did. I, 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 do, I did pose for a lot of pictures, and you can <laughs> yeah. see – no, you, you. When I ran for mayor, people would come up to me and say, "I took a picture when you were borough president, and I had a lot less gray hair." So I said, "Well, don't take the picture now. Use the old picture." Okay. In between, somewhere along the line, what is the duties of a state assembly member? Because you were that too. What is that? Well, look, in Albany, a lot of big decisions are made about New York City, and so your job as a state legislator, whether it's in the Senate or the Assembly is to vote on all the criminal justice laws, the state budget that impacts New York City, any piece of legislation, whether it's education, health care that's introduced, has impact all over the state. So that job gives you great perspective and great opportunity to sort of familiarize yourself with some of the big issues of the day. When I was in the assembly, we, you know, I was a co-sponsor, you know, of the uh, a Marriage Equality Act, which uh, is now something, you know, that we take for granted sometimes, but don't realize what a fight it was in the state, you know, Assembly and the state Senate. Abortion rights. So the showdown was in the state Senate. So there's a lot that happens there uh, in Albany away from public view that impacts us greatly. I mean, you do all of these wonderful, fabulous things, and the city is falling apart. Everything is falling apart, and all of you guys are doing all of these things. I don't understand why the city is falling apart. No, I think think it's a combination of things. We didn't have great stewardship in the last eight years in the mayor's office. But I also think COVID impacted us in a way we couldn't imagine. We weren't prepared. Uh, we see what's happening in the quality of life, the fact that during COVID we couldn't even pick up the garbage. Uh, and now we have an opportunity with a new administration and Eric Adams and other people coming into government to bring the city back to life. But I'm a believer in the city because I've seen this before. I saw it as a kid growing up in the 70s when people thought we were dead, bored to New York City, dropped dead. I saw it after 9-11 when people couldn't wait to get out of the city, but we came back. Even after the fiscal crisis in 2008, the naysayers said New York was dead. And they're saying the same thing today. But I don't bet against our city. I don't bet against our people. There's a reason why people from all over the world want to come and live here. 
They like the way we talk, the way we walk, who we are, how we interact. There's no other, there's no other place like this in the world. So we're going to come back, but we never do it easy, do we? It's always the hard way. That I know. Actually, I don't think anything is so great about this new mayor. So far, he brought in Biden, who didn't even know where the hell he was. He's too fragile. He had no interest. He was reading everything. And Adams is only on television. I don't know that he's made any time to be in City Hall at all. And the only person he actually personally selected was this lousy guy, Bragg, who is a pig as far as being a DA. Now, have you got anything you'd like to say? I think I should interview you. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing. I, I think we got to take a deep breath and let the mayor be the mayor. There's oh. going to be plenty of, plenty of time for us to critique him or praise him. But remember, we're not, we haven't even been a month into the new term. I do give him high marks for moving around the city. No, he's not doing anything. No, 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 but, but, but let's see in his proposals, in his budget, what he actually does. And then there's going to be plenty of time to take a look and say, did we make the right decision? But it still is very early. And I know that a lot of people are frustrated with the state of play today. But we also have to, you know, people voted. They voted to elect him. We have to respect that. And then we have a right to critique him. And by the you way, you know, you're becoming boring. You're a pain in the ass. You're doing. You're saying the same things all politicians. So no, I'm saying. No, I'm saying this. By the way, if I was controller, I would probably already be doing ten audits of him and and doing <laughs> what I did with De Blasio. So, so believe me, I would be I would be all over him. You know. But as a private citizen, I, as you mentioned, I got two kids. I got to give him time so that we can succeed. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but as you know, I was not shy about criticizing the governor, the mayor. I gave it as good as I took it. And uh, as a private citizen, I'm going to continue uh, to say it like I mean it. And part of it is saying, hey, let's give the guy a little. Uh, OK, a, a little you know, we know we know you made a try to run for mayor. Are you going to make another run someday for mayor? You know, when Koch lost the last term, he said, now that I've lost, the people will be punished. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember nothing happened before me. Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln knew me. So I know it. <laughs> no, you, 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 I know you've it all. Me, you've, you've told me about your meetings with him over dinner. They were pretty amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, my wife didn't believe me. I said, no, she she knew Lincoln. Um, Take it uh, easy, pal. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing now besides insulting me? What are you doing? Oh, I would never insult. Um, I'm going to I have a small consulting business and I'm, I have clients and they're great people. And I'm going to try to make some money uh, to uh, uh, to pay for college tuition. I do think down the line I expect to run again for what I don't know. But look, it's in my blood. It's what I've done all my life. I love government service. But I also, you know, let people miss me a little bit. Tell us, what is the story of our economy now? We are very highly taxed. We have garbage in the streets. We can't go from cross town to cross town unless you're born there because there's construction everywhere. And where there's not construction, there are outdoor restaurants, so you get hit by a bus. So what is our – and I nearly got hit by a bicycle who was coming in the wrong direction. Can you tell me what is the story of our economy now? Look, in, in some respects, we've never been stronger 
from a budget perspective, we do have real surplus in Albany, uh, and that should continue. You know, I don't crunch the numbers like I used to, but I'm seeing a very favorable economy. But look, New York has special challenges. Even with a lot of money, we have a 9% unemployment rate. Uh, the hotels are not back. Tourism isn't back. And so this next mayoral administration, they got to get cracking. They got to get to work. They got to start looking at ways to inject uh, enthusiasm into the economy. We have an affordable housing crisis, the likes we've never seen. We have people sleeping in the subways. That can't continue. So we need to have smart policies that balance a whole lot of things. So, you know, I do agree with you. At some point, the press conferences and the showmanship has to end and the real work of governing has to begin. And I expect it will. Listen, half of the people in Albany are on parole. So everybody in New York is telling us, making big speeches. This Eric Adams is making a speech. This pig, Bragg, who told us we shouldn't be stabbed because we really shouldn't walk into a thief's open knife blade. I mean, you're going to tell me that this is helping us? Look, I, let me. I want to just say this because I'm going to tell you what's on my mind. Uh, even if we disagree, Alvin Bragg is a very decent human being. Uh, I think he said that he wished he had rolled out his ideas in a different format, in a different way. But let's, again, give him time to show what he can do. You know, people talk about giving elected, elected officials, like myself, always said, the first 100 days are very meaningful. The first six months are crucial. Let's give these elected officials just some time to to you know land their planes. This, you know you're coming into a new office, but he's a very decent man. Uh, he's a very decent man. I have to say that. I'm not sure that a decent man is the greatest thing you can ever say about a mayor. Isn't there something else besides decent? I'm also decent. I can't be a mayor. Although you'd be a you'd be a great candidate, but maybe not mayor. Okay, so uh, you get a lot of press attention. Um, look, look, I. As a New Yorker, we got to look at the glass half full until it's not. And what I would say to people out there, yes, we have COVID. We have an economic crisis. We've never been more on the edge than we've been in the history of this city. And now we have elected people, and we need to support them as they ah, are. Please, oh, leave me alone already what? with this stuff. What, what, I mean, what, I understand what, what, that. If you were what mayor, what brilliant thing would you do? Would you do something brilliant? I had 500 pages of brilliant proposals, and I'm proud to tell you that I think Eric Adams is leafing through my book and taking the parts that he thinks will work for the city. And if okay. he doesn't take all my suggestions, I'm going to continue to tell him that he should. How's that? Okay. Did you ever goof on the job? Have you ever fallen on your behind in anything? Oh, there, there are days I came home and said, you can't make this up. When you're in office for 30 years, believe me, not everything goes right. There are things that you look back on and wish you did more of. There are things you look back on and said, I wish I could do it differently. But I, I look, Cindy, I'm proud of the fact that, you know, I've had an honorable public service career unmatched in years of service, 30-some-odd years, and well, I think 29 years in elective office. And I'm just getting started. And I love public service, and I am going to watch out for this city in a different capacity, but count on me to speak truth to power. I'm not giving up on the city or my voice in it. 
Tell me one of the things that I never did understand. The, the movie actress Scarlett Johansson was behind you when you were running for mayor. How did you get involved with Scarlett Johansson? Well, it's a, it's a wonderful story. So when I was a young activist, I joined a group called the Mitchell-Lama Residence Coalition fighting to keep this very important middle-income housing. And I became one of its leaders as a very young kid. I was head of their political action committee. And we lobbied in Albany. And we did all that. And the woman who was my co-conspirator in that organization was a feisty lady who turned out would later become Scarlett Johansson's grandmother. And once I knew that, we became quick friends. Her brother and I became big friends. He actually ended up interning and working for me. And she was fantastic during the campaign for mayor, for controller. And uh, she's one of the most decent New Yorkers, but she's like a New York City kid. She went to New York City school. She, she's never lost her perspective on what it's like to be a New Yorker. And she is just one great person. Okay, one last question. New Yorkers have moved off to Florida. They're in the, that's, to me, the land of snakes and alligators and people waiting to go on to heaven. Will yeah. some of them move back to us? Yeah, because here's the, here's the problem that people don't realize. When you leave New York City and you move to Texas, you actually have to live in Texas. When you move to Florida, you're stuck with snakes, alligators, but also humidity. I mean, who in their right mind would move to Florida and, and sit in air conditioning for half the year? The whole thing doesn't make sense to me. They will come back as the city comes back because no one can, no real New Yorker can stand being somewhere else. And one of the successful things of New York, Cindy, is people come from all over the world to live here, all different countries, all different states. No one really wants to live in Iowa. Of course they don't. So they spend their yeah, whole right. time right. trying to figure out how the hell to get out of there. And that's been the great New York City tradition. I mean, could you, if one of my little kids said to me, Daddy, I'm moving to Iowa, I'd be like, what? what? No. No. So I think that's our special thought. People who want to come here, and they're going to come here. Okay. I got to thank you. Because you weren't as boring as I thought you might have been, and you were very interesting. And I thank you very, very, very much, Scott Stringer. I enjoyed it. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. You're the best. Goodbye. Bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.